This morning, if you have your Bible, open it to Acts chapter 12. We've been doing a series of lessons on Sunday morning on people that we need in our life. We've looked at Barnabas. We need, we need a Barnabas. If you don't have a Barnabas, find someone who will be your Barnabas. A Barnabas is a man who is an encourager, or a woman who is an encourager. Someone who can lift you up, who will throw their arm around you, who will help you get through difficult times in your life. A Barnabas is someone who can show you the way to live, um, the way to sacrifice. They can challenge you to a a depth of discipleship that you've never considered before, uh, taking the lid off of uh, what you might have otherwise limited yourself to. We talked about uh, a Jonathan. Everybody needs a Jonathan, a friend, a true friend. David had a Jonathan. We need someone who has our best interest in mind, who will stand behind us and let us stand in the sun, who will make sacrifices for our own good. Those are the things that Jonathan did for David. We need people like that in our lives. And the point of this is, and the point of these lessons, twofold. Find those people and bring them in close to you. And then be those people for someone else. Today we want to look at a third person in this series, a person that we need in our life, and her name is Rhoda. Now, Rhoda, who is Rhoda? Don't remember her. Well, turn in your Bible to Acts chapter 12, and we will read about Rhoda. Jesus once stated in Matthew chapter 18, verses 1 through 4, Jesus was teaching, and there were children who were coming to Jesus, and the disciples were trying to push those children away. They were annoying. They were underfoot, and they they were disturbing people as they were trying to listen to Jesus. And Jesus stopped them and said, listen. Let the little children come to me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. Jesus said that if we want to go to heaven, we have to become like a child, like one of these little ones. If that's the case, and it is, children should have a special place in our heart. Young people should be a lifelong study for us. And I don't know that we have done that. Children may be what we want to dismiss or push in the other room or, or not engage in our lives. We have more important, mature things to talk about and mature people with whom to speak that we often may ignore the youth, the young people. But I think we need a Rhoda in our life. And I'll explain to you reasons why in just a moment. In, in um, Acts chapter 12, there is the account, well, James has just been beheaded by Herod. I guess he figures since he had gotten such good feedback from that and, and such praise that he decided, well, I'll do another. And so he had Peter arrested. And his plans were to get rid of Peter, behead him as well. But the church, and you can imagine, I mean, imagine us gathered here today, if, if, if one of the elders here 
was taken and beheaded by our, our civil authorities. And we meet back together again and we're still doing what we do. And, and then they come in and they take another, one of our elders, and they plan to execute them in the morning. What would we do as a church? Well, what they did as a church is they all got together in the home of Mary, who was the mother of John Mark, that we read about several times in Scripture. The church met in her house, and they prayed. They fervently prayed. They continuously prayed. And in constant prayer, verse 5, they prayed and offered to God prayers on behalf of Peter. I'm sure those prayers consisted of, please do something to secure his release. We, we can't afford to lose the Apostle Peter. Well, as they were fervently praying, an angel appears to Peter while he's in prison and said, get up, we're getting out of here. And Peter's, his chains fall off. And as they walk to the, the gates, the gates of their own accord just open up in front of them. They don't even have to push them open. And Peter is in such a delirium as to what's going on when he gets out in the street. He's not sure if he's dreaming or if this really happened. And then it hit him. I'm free. The Lord has delivered me miraculously. And so what does he do? He, he goes to the home of this lady where the church is meeting, where the church is praying for him. And there was a girl by the name of Rhoda. And she was to answer the door and help people come in and what all else that entailed, I don't know. But, but as Peter stood at the gate, she recognized his voice. And being astonished, well, the text says, beside herself. She ran back in the house and, and interrupted the proceedings and said, Guys, guys, Peter is at the door. He's released. Our prayers are answered. And you know what the adults on the inside said? You're crazy. That, that, you're mistaken. They wouldn't believe her. She insisted that it was Peter out there, and they continued to disbelieve her and even said, well, then maybe you've, you've seen something. Maybe you've seen an angel, Peter's angel, or maybe you've seen some apparition, but you have Peter. They didn't even believe that God would answer their prayers. It took this young girl, Rhoda, to convince this praying church that God answers prayers. They were praying for his release. They didn't even believe that he was released when he was released. And so finally they go and let Peter into the house and they rejoice at the deliverance that God had given. But I'm reminded of the statement in Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 6 as he talks about the nature of the kingdom and, and all these uh, animals and peoples that have conflicting natures that by their nature would tear each other apart. He said, they'll get along and a child shall lead them. There are many ways that we learn from children. Do you ever cease to be amazed at what you can learn from children? They teach us in so many ways. Their innocence and their view of life that hasn't developed, that cynicism 
that some of us develop as we get older, it's so refreshing and so, well, God-like. For probably 10 years, 11 years now, I've, I've tried to do a, that, a weekly article entitled Mercy Mail. They're just devotional articles. And one of the things that I have noticed about those very articles that I've written is that a vast majority of, majority of them deal with kids. That you have so many glimpses of God in children that are there to be seen and to learn from, to be taught. And so children ought to be a lifelong study. We need to love children. And we need to pull some kids into our sphere of influence and, and bring them close because they are important for if such is the kingdom of heaven. I need to learn from children. I need to be taught and reminded of what it means to be a child if I want to go to heaven. And so we need a Rhoda in our life. And here, just, uh, just let me give you a couple qualities in children that help to remind us of things that are spiritual. But here, here are some things that a Rhoda will teach you. First of all, children can imagine. They have such an imagination. Have you ever sat and listened and, and played with a child? And the fanciful stories and the imagination that they, they, they can... They can dream things that we can't even begin to dream. That's a good thing. That's a quality. We, we limit ourselves as adults. Jesus himself, or the Apostle Paul himself said in Ephesians chapter 3, he said that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask and get this or, or think. Not only God will God answer your prayers, But He can do more than what you ask. In fact, He can do more than what you even give contemplation to. To be able to dream and to imagine as a child does with reference to the work and the success of the kingdom of God and to know that there's a God in heaven who is ready to release these blessings to us if we would but ask. I need to learn and to have the imagination of children. Children can imagine. For 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, and have you ever thought of this? The Bible said, Paul said, for we walk by faith and not by sight. Think of the things that give meaning to your life. They're things you've never seen. You didn't see Jesus die on the cross, but you lived because of it. You have never seen heaven You have never seen salvation. You have never seen God. But you live your life focused and directed on those things that you have never seen. There are many things that are not seen that maybe if we would but just imagine, think of what God could do through us. In Exodus chapter 4 and verse 2, do you remember how Moses was called by God to be the deliverer of the children of Israel. And he says, Moses, I want you. And he came up in chapter 3 with every excuse under the sun. And finally, he just gets right down to it. And he says, I I don't want to. Get somebody else. Get my brother. And God says to Moses in 
chapter 4, verse 2. Moses, what's in your hand? A rod. He says, throw that rod down. And it became a serpent. It's just a rod. But with the power of God, it became something greater. And it was that rod that he told the children, uh, Moses to hold over the water, and the waters parted. That rod, what was in the hand of Moses with God, was sufficient. Have you ever seen children? We, we can spend $250 on the latest cool gadget for our kids but they'd probably like the box it came in just as much. Have you seen that at Christmas time? Man, that's a big box. Think of what we could do with that. Or give a little boy a stick and see what he makes of that stick. Or a little girl, give her some, see what she can come up with. Uh, the kids can take what is in their hand and they can make great things. What's in our hand? We need to be more like children. We need a rota to remind us that the things that are within the power of our hand and in our possession can be used for God if we would but think and imagine ways to use those talents that we have. Children can imagine. We need a rota to remind us to imagine, to dream great things. Here's something else. Children ask questions. I, 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 I'm going to embarrass my kids. I shouldn't do this, but Matthew, I, I took Matthew golfing one time. I, I had promised all summer long that I would take him golfing. And so the guys were going golfing. I said, listen, I promised that I would take Matthew. I can't go with you guys today. I'm going to take Matthew. And so, you know, I knew I was in for a different kind of day of golf because you just don't take... And at the time, he was probably, I don't know, six, something like that. So we pack some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, and we get off. A thousand and one questions were asked that day. After we first got started, I realized, I'm just not even keeping score anymore. You can't concentrate while you're trying to swing. And he says, hey, Dad, how come this cart doesn't have doors? And why is the sky blue? And how do they cut that grass so short? Is that real grass? Look at that. Feel that. And we, we felt grass and we, well, a dog came along. And we fed a dog a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for about four holes. And then he said, Dad, why are boy dogs more difficult to control than girl dogs? <laughs> Just the questions continued the whole day. But then when we got done, he said, Dad, this was great. Wasn't this fun? It was. It was a different kind of fun. (laughs) It, It wasn't what I typically experienced when I went golfing. But the questions that came from that boy's mouth that day. Children are not afraid to ask questions. We are. We need to be taught by Rhoda. It's okay to ask questions. You know why we don't ask questions? We're proud. We don't want to be seen as a little child. You mean you don't know the answer to that? And we get embarrassed and humiliated. We're afraid to ask. James chapter 4 and verse 10 says, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and He'll lift you up. You don't have to try to lift yourself up. You don't have to try to make yourself look big. Just humble yourself. 
How many times have you sat in assembly, uh, maybe it was in school or maybe it's in a Bible class, where the preacher will say something and, and he'll ask a question and you're afraid to raise your hand? Because you think you might know, but you're afraid to say you don't know because... But then somebody will finally raise their hand and ask the question that you were thinking, that very same question, but you were afraid to say it because of what someone might think about you if you did ask the question. There's no shame in asking questions. That's how we learn. And to ask a question and to get an answer is not a humiliating thing, but it's a thing that says, I know more today than I did yesterday. That's, that's what we ought to be about, is to learn and to grow. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door will be open. We need to be inquisitive. When's the last time you've, you've heard something and you've, you, you've studied it out for yourself? Don't just take the word of men. That's how we get in trouble. That's, how we, that's why there's so much division in the world today because people have listened to other people and they haven't done their own research, their own study. They haven't asked their own questions. They, they haven't been inquisitive enough. We need a, a rota to remind us it's okay to ask questions. That's how we learn. There's no shame in that. And if you want a man who asks questions, look at Jesus. He knew how to ask questions. And then here's something else about children that I think we need to be mindful of, is the children need to be loved. When Jesus said, let the little children come unto me, I, I think the idea is these kids are pure and they're innocent. They need love. Don't, don't push them off to the side. Don't put them in a back bedroom. Don't brush them aside. These are the kids. Th- these young people are who we need to model our life after. They have so many pure and innocent traits and qualities about them that are godlike, that have not yet been touched and tainted by sin and selfishness. Look to them. I'm afraid that, you know, we, we try to instill in our young people a respect for the elderly. We should. We work hard to develop youth programs that are service-oriented, that, that we can get our children involved in going to nursing homes and hospitals or, or whatever it may be and, and go out and do things for other people that are elderly and have difficulty, and and we try to teach them the value and the virtue of that service to those who are mature and elderly. We want them to understand the value of those who are aged. Good. Really, I I mean that. That's, That's great. We need to teach young people that. But where's the emphasis for adults to cherish children? Where's the emphasis placed on adults to look at those young people and not brush them aside, but to bring them in and, and mentor and encourage and learn from and model their lives after? Again, was it not Jesus who said, of such is the kingdom of heaven. Children need to be, as I said earlier, a lifelong study for us. 
our life needs to be in many respects modeled after those godlike traits that are seen in children. When children become those inconveniences that I'm afraid are going to run underneath me and knock me down and break my hip, get the kids away from me. When children become, uh, you know, they're noisy. Get them out of the auditorium. They're they're disturbing. They can't sit still for 30 minutes or 20 minutes. They they fiddle and they fidget in their seat, and and it's distracting to me. I wish those kids would go sit somewhere else. When children become the kind of thing that we, we try to put arm's distance between us and them, folks, I think we're doing the wrong thing. I think Jesus said, don't keep them at arm's distance. Let them come unto me. I would much rather preach at a congregation that had squalling babies than a congregation where I never heard a child or saw a child. Uh, I understand the difficulties of raising children. And, And listen, the opportunities that we have as adults to embrace those kids. Look at how many young people are here today. I mean... I thought about just having all the young people stand, but I won't do that. But just look around and look at how many young people are here. My question to you is, who's your Rhoda? I'm talking to the adults. Who have you embraced? Who among these young people have you pulled in and said, I want to learn from and I want to help? Children shouldn't be kept at arm's distance. They should be brought into our circle of influence where we can help them and where we can learn from them. Rhoda, while all these adults were praying, Rhoda was the one who said, your prayers are answered. And none of the adults saw it. Much to learn from children. Friends, unless we become converted and become as little children, we will not enter the kingdom of God. Since that's the case, as I said, children should be a lifelong study. Don't let your relationship to kids be one that just sees them as an annoyance, as somebody that hadn't learned to walk, He's still running, and he shouldn't be running in the church building. Don't let your, your, your relationship with them be, uh, you know, just, just stay away from me. I want, I want you to pull these kids in closer. I want you to find young people and learn from them and embrace them. Just as you need a Barnabas, you need a Rhoda. You need a child to remind you and to get rid of some of the cynicism that life uh, sometimes brings. You need a child to, to remind you of the innocence that we once had and can regain to a great degree in Christ. Find yourself some young people and make them a part of your life. And by doing so, you'll not only help yourself, but you'll help them as well. Our goal is to go to heaven and take other people with us 
And that's one way that you can do that. If you're here this morning and you're not yet a child of God, why don't you obey the gospel? We are a family of God and everybody here, we're here because we're family and we're trying to serve our Father. And we're for each other here. We're not against. There's no judgmental looks if I confess that I'm a sinner and need salvation because every one of us here has been through that. We, we know what it's like. We've done it too. If you're a sinner and you need to be saved by the grace of God, turn from your sin. Confess your faith in Christ and be baptized. And he says, I'll forgive you. If you're a child of God already, having done those things, and you need to make some changes in your life, um, be more faithful, we'll pray with you to that end. If you need to come, we invite you to do so as we stand together and sing.